This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hello! Uh, and it's me welcoming you tonight, which is very different. So this is probably sounds odd for most of you, but Rob is not with me and he's not in the ER like I was a few weeks ago. Uh, but I have brought back, I think now the most recurring guest of all time. What a badge of honor. Yep. 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 You are world famous, uh, USF director of sales and service. Uh, also my longtime good buddy, Best man in my wedding, Brian Specia. Welcome back, buddy. You give me uh, so many titles, I kind of feel like I should be on Game of Thrones. Well, you should update your LinkedIn. Um, <laughs> yeah, I all the titles, like House Specia, uh, Son of Al, and Jack. Absolutely. Uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And you know what's funny? I can actually talk to you about that because you've actually watched the show, unlike Rob, so we can actually have a Game of Thrones discussion. This which, guy. I, I listen your show i follow along on i would say 90 percent of the, the the episodes and the things that he's done and not done and some of his opinions i could say is some of the funniest things ever the like guy really should have been on seinfeld he's an enigma he's an enigma uh, he's he, should, most, he i tell him all the time he's the he's unintentionally the most interesting human being on the planet yeah i just think he's a seinfeld character he's like literally all the which things. he's seen seinfeld though so he might get that he'll get that reference <laughs> I just think like the more I get to know him via the show and the things that he's done and like his whole thing with Alabama and like all the things that I've learned, I'm like, this guy is literally an episode of Seinfeld. He's been <laughs> in more precarious situations or really cool situations. Again, just for sure, either being at the right place at the right time or his dad's beating up the Philly fanatic. Like you just don't know what's going to come out of his mouth. So Rob, or the one where you called, or the one where you called me and you were like, did you know that Rob so-and-so, I can't remember what it was now, but it was like he had this crazy connection to a, a celebrity as a relative or there was something that was completely out of out of nowhere. Oh, yeah. What was that? I forget what that was. I know what you're talking about. Um, yeah. <laughs> Shake my head and be like, this guy. <laughs> yeah, he's he's in so many different ways connected to so many celebrities and he doesn't watch any of it. So it, that's the most fascinating part of it is like, oh, yeah, I'm at the finale of the office one of the biggest shows of all time no big deal yeah but we won't go down that road because i could spend a whole rabbit hole in terms of time um so the reason rob is not here for those of you wondering because i mentioned he's not in the er he is health is well i won't say his health is fine because he's probably stressed out of his head he is getting ready to open a ballpark as you all know in about two weeks may 11th is his the opening day for the woo Sox, the inaugural game first ever I am scheduled to be in attendance, but I don't know if I'll be able to go because the day before I will be getting my second vaccine shot. So I don't know. It's going to be like, I might be there. I may not I be there. We'll, 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 
feel fine. We'll find out the morning of May 11th and see if I'm actually attending. But Rob is so, not to go down also another COVID rabbit hole, Rob is hosting a Zoom right now with the season ticket holders and sponsors to discuss who can and can't come to the first ever game. Because here in Massachusetts, while we did just increase the capacity limits from 12 to 25%, that equals more season ticket holders. So there's more season ticket holders than they're allowed in the building from the May 11th game. So obviously, if anybody knows anything about Meyer League sports fans, they're all very rational human beings and will take this news very well. Sure. Um, they're actually very passionate people. They're extremely passionate people. <laughs> Sometimes over and above, uh, I've always con concocted that, that there's a factory somewhere in the Midwest that these people are created and then shipped out to each city to create said booster clubs. But that's yeah. a whole other story uh, as a different individual. So Rob is delivering this news as the head of person should, as the chief revenue officer would, to these group of people who have spent quite a, I mean, it's not, the, the Worcester Red Sox tickets are not cheap. There's some club seats, like they're not inexpensive. Right. <laughs> I'm I'm glad I'm not doing that tonight. And I'm sure he'd much rather be here, but he is, uh, he's, he, he called me at five o'clock and he said this, he goes, can you call Brian? I need a guest host. I said, oh, Brian, I'll definitely do it. So Brian, thank you for returning and coming back on. Well, I appreciate it. And uh, as the uh, as the guest host filling in for the mainstay, um, you know, congratulations to him for finally getting uh, to the finish line here in the next couple of weeks, uh, getting the building open. Um, I mean, I've opened several buildings. I've I've turned around a, a whole franchise that's rebranded itself in a different building that the building was rebranded in expand, uh, you know, launched an expansion team, which we're going to get to later on uh, with the NHL. Um, you know, so what he's doing is not a waltz through the park. It's not no. something that happens organically. You have to put an immense amount of work into it. Uh, so congratulations to him from the, from the guest, uh, from the outside looking in, uh, it's a special feat to uh, finally get there. So this is his third time doing it, which one would call someone insane for doing this three <laughs> different times in three different cities. Uh, but this one he's getting to build with literally the, the architect and the the guy who changed baseball stadiums forever, which is Larry yeah. Aquino. Yeah, ground uh, up. Yeah, so from Camden Yards and fixing Dodger Stadium with Jenna Marie Smith and then fixing Fenway Park to what it is today, it's all through Larry. So this minor league ballpark, which I've seen, is going to be palatial. Is the best. I think it's like $100 million or maybe more at this point um, for a minor league ballpark. So Rob is stressed out of his mind because this is the time where everything has to be done in the next couple of weeks to ensure like you're good to go. And as much as you think you're good to go, you just never are. And once oh, he won't be good to go till year two. No. Yeah. There'll be, there'll be probably what you call closets. When you open, there's really nothing behind them and they're just hidden doors. So people can't see what's behind those. They don't even have offices. They don't even have offices. Like they just wow. legitimately don't have offices. So wow. yeah, he's uh, he's up to his eyeballs and in, in woo socks stadiums well, and bad news delivering tonight so we're uh we'll give him a reprieve and have him join us next week the reason we did not have a podcast last week uh to touch on that was another vaccine story it was my wife rachel had her second shot and she didn't i'm not even exaggerating she didn't leave bed i think for 18 hours something around there where she just literally slept it off like she had the flu and was just exhausted 
Um, so we had to cancel last week as well, but good news is she's done. She's moving forward and great life news. is life is coming quasi say, I dare I say back to normal. You, your wife deserves it. I feel like I've known her for about 10 years now and she deserves a medal every single year for life. The thing she goes through for, uh, for the uh, family and everything. You so, know, what's crazy is it's more than 10 years now. I mean, 2000, I'm, 2009, I have not come to grips with the fact that we're almost 40. Okay. Not yet. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's well, let's get the 39 first before we're almost yeah. 40. So we, we're not even 39 yet. So we'll, we'll pump the brakes. Um, so, so lots of news has happened in the sports world. I'm going to glance over one of them. That's been massive news because I probably publicly am not allowed to talk about it. And we're just going to acknowledge it and move on. And that's called the now defunct Super League <laughs> that happened for 48 hours in the English Premier League oh, in, in Europe, which I know. I'm not going to go down that hole. I'm not going to discuss it. But it's pretty the, – the one thing I will, just to give people some insight into – how rabid and quote unquote passionate we'll call it passionate European soccer fans are. So obviously the premier league and, and, and European soccer generate what billions of oh, dollars billions. It's, yeah. and their, and their viewership is off the charts. We once tried to raise ticket prices in Liverpool, but like a marginal amount, the whole stadium literally stood up and walked out and staged a protest and went on quote unquote strike <laughs> and were like refusing to come to the games. So ownership was like, well, I guess we have to build more seats because we can't increase ticket prices. How are we going to increase revenue? And this whole super right. league thing was obviously about increasing revenue. And they were just like, Nope, not happening. And like, can you imagine? Like, so I guess a good segue would be, can you imagine? Cause this happens quite often and baseball quite frankly is staring this in the face. If a league went on strike or lockout and the fans just didn't come back, we're just like, nope, adios. Like that's, that's the equivalent of like what just happened. They, they had been, enough power. But that's been cause for me and you to hold our breaths on several occasions. So that's hypothetical we don't love to embrace. But, you know, the crazy thing about uh, the soccer fans over there is that we don't get to see them all the time. Right. We know we know that they're very passionate. We know that they're rabid. We know that they're like it's almost like not in a bad way, but it's almost like cultish. Like you bleed for Man U. You bleed for Man City. You bleed it's for Liverpool. Makes you Red know? Sox Yankees look like cupcake. Right. It's nothing. They don't care. It's like it's almost like it's meaning a meaningless rivalry. We know what Red Sox and Yankees have been over the last hundred you know plus years. And they dictate a lot. I mean, I would almost encourage the EPL and the other leagues over there, maybe the Italian elite league and stuff like that too. <laughs> maybe you got to just pull the fans before you do anything at this point. <laughs> I, you, they have so much power. Like they legitimately yeah. shut down a league in 48 hours. And at the same time though, they're why the league and why the teams and why the players make some totally. money. They, yeah. So they deserve that power. But it's the same thing over here. Like the players and everyone make the money because of the fans and everything. But it's a legitimately like organized group of individuals. It's almost like a union, quite frankly. <laughs> They're just like, no, you're, you're not doing this. And we're right. going to go up against billionaires and tell you you're not doing this. And they're like, the billionaires are like, oh, sorry. <laughs> Our yeah, <okay>. bad. <laughs> Never I mind. <laughs> I, didn't is, mean, I didn't mean to run my business the proper way. <laughs> it's just so... Like 
not the way we do things. And I think that's the thing that triggered the fans was they're like, you're trying to Americanize our sport. And someone made a very good point. One of my colleagues was like, it's been a little, it's been a rough couple months for the Brits. I mean, yes. you had Harry and Meghan <laughs> expose the royal family. Jesus. <laughs> They've got Brexit going on. Prince Philip drops dead. And then the American billionaires are like, we're going to just change European soccer. They're like, nope. It was like with the tea tax for us while we started a revolution. Like, that's it. In, in, in a pandemic. Yeah. It's been a long, long road for the Brits. They've had a lot of bad news. And this was the icing on the cake was we tried to mess with their religion, essentially. And they just were like, next, please move on. We're, we're not doing this. So I, I mean, kudos I kinda, to them, power to them. Hey, it I, was, it was fascinating. I kind of feel like that's how it goes there though. Right? Like Pierce Morgan gone. <laughs> Super yeah, no, gone. <laughs> like, it's just like Prince Philip. If we don't gone. want it. You're out. <laughs> like it, it's, they are, they're clearly traditionalists. Um, in every sense, because they still have a look, they still have a royal family. Like that's to me, I I've always said, like, I don't understand like how you <laughs> want yeah. that. And like, that's they, mean. <laughs> they have, but who doesn't mean it doesn't do anything. And no. then you just have this whole like different <laughs> culture that at one time literally ruled the world. They were the biggest empire in the world. And now we're coming over there trying to mess with that. Yeah. It's fascinating. It will be, it will be, a sports management case study for years, right? Like a bunch of super teams that ruled the soccer world got together, tried to form this new super league, and the fans were like, uh-uh. And in four yeah. eight hours, it was dead. It, yeah. The XFL lasted longer than the Super League. Like, oh boy. Twice. Low blow, low blow. <laughs> like, they were, I, you're not lying i know but you know hey dwayne the rock johnson's involved. no they're back they're back yes yeah, yeah. Third, third time's a charm by the way oh man i'm watching the <laughs> i'm watching the red sox mets game here on the corner of my eye it's this is like pitching one if you love pitching this this is the game for you it's one nothing the red sox i don't know we have i think shocked the world of how good we've been so far especially with our pitching but Jacob, it's, one, it's one nothing it's going into the eighth and, inning now it's top eight I'm going to guarantee that you guys are winning and DeGrom is on the mound and he's losing and pitching a jet. Yeah. He's the, the Red Sox have four hits and the Mets have two <laughs> and he's, he's losing one, nothing. It's De, like DeGrom's ERA is going to go down again. And then he's at like, well, actually it might go up. He was at 0.33. It might go up by giving up a run in yeah. seven innings. Yeah. It's it. I mean, the guy is something else to watch. Um, he's a freak. You know, I, he's a freak. I can't, listen, I can't imagine being a Mets fan. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Well, I, I I won't I won't comment or 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 yes. As I grew up a Yankee fan, I I never hated the Mets, right? Like no, in, not, there, yeah. there was only one. There was only one New York team I ever grew up hating because of my fandom with the Devils because they actually had a rivalry with their crosstown rivals, the Rangers. Right. But like as a Giants fan, I didn't hate the Jets. No, because they didn't weren't rivals. Like they just didn't play no. each other, and I didn't. I didn't, I didn't hate the Mets ever. Like there was no reason to. The series was cool, but it wasn't like. Oh yeah, but it wasn't. Yeah, it was, it was fun. It was a fun rivalry versus like the Red Sox Yankees where it was like, no, I hate them. I hope they lose every freaking game under the sun. Right. Where I only ever hated the Rangers because the Devils Rangers was a legit rivalry and they played each other like 10 times a year. That was different. Yeah. So yeah, like. But most of our friends, if they were Mets fans, they were Jets fans, and you just always kind of felt sorry for them because um, at the time, yeah. 
the Giants were winning, the Yankees were winning like everything. And it's just the Devils, as a Devils fan, the Devils were winning. Like I was, I had a very lucky childhood from that regard. But the Mets and the Jets, even the Knicks, like the Knicks, the not much to celebrate in the last 30 years, quite frankly. I mean, we, you know, we all have colleagues at different teams now after this many years. And some of my old Lightning colleagues are with the Jets and the Mets. And I'm just like, man, like I know we had it nice in Tampa, but you're better. You're a better person than I am. I mean, oh. I know I'm an up and coming uh, a college football team and playing some big opponents. And we're probably going to, you know, get the backside of a hand here in the fall with the beginning of our season, which we'll get to later. But I mean, God bless the people in our shoes that work for some of these teams. I mean, imagine trying to sell a suite in MetLife Stadium for the Jets last year. Last year. I mean, now you're going to have a draft here, and that's going to be like that. But Christy Landy's yeah. Christy Landy, uh, one of our guests, she's trying to sell, been selling suites in in MetLife Stadium for. Look, we're Giants fans. They have not been good for a while, oh. and hopefully tomorrow they make the right decision. But oh, as the it, we with the NFL draft, and this is this is again, I, Rob gets mad at me when I say this. In the business, we call this a segue because we're going to now segue into the NFL draft. Not necessarily who's going to who's going to pick who, but like more about the business of the NFL draft and they're having it yeah. in Cleveland this year, right? I think Cleveland. I believe it's Cleveland. So last year was all virtual and it was it was weird to say yeah. to be put it kindly, right? Like just a bunch of guys and rooms on zoom <laughs> they had all those big plans to like do this, all this Vegas stuff. And oh, the, the Vegas thing would have been awesome. Yeah. It would have been awesome. Yeah, like the water, the water display in front of the Bellagio. Bellagio, yeah, it would have been so cool. And that was in yeah. partnership with Caesars, I believe. Yeah. Um, even though the draft was gonna, even though the Bellagio is not Caesar, they were gonna take a boat from the Bellagio yeah. Fountain over to Caesars, I think. Yeah, and get yeah. like up on stage. Yeah, but uh, so the NFL draft is tomorrow, and uh, I think if, like last year it was 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 Lowe's was I think a big part of it. Um. But the amount of exposure that if you get from a brand of just sponsoring the NFL draft is um, is it's crazy because there's no other draft in any sport that people watch. They do be four days. Remember, it used to be the two days. It's four days now. It's four days. Yeah, starts Thursday yeah. night and goes through Sunday. The other crazy thing too, especially because didn't the NFL correct me if I'm wrong? But the NFL got rid of the early workouts for training. Their OTAs, early workouts are done. Became they didn't become mandatory. Okay, so they'll be a lot more dialed down than they used to be mandatory. So really, since the Super Bowl, then you have the draft. You really have nothing until camp really gets going. So you have a solid six month period where there's minimal things going on. So if you're a brand, if you're a company looking to spread your wings, uh, if you're a brand that's just looking to continue to dominate a certain market, and we all know those brands are always, you know, the big players in the Super Bowl as well. The draft is, I mean, it's probably not as big as the Super Bowl, but it's not it's, probably far. Yeah. No, yeah. It's not watched by the Super Bowl is watched by literally the whole country. The draft yeah. is watched by every football fan. And that's a ton, which <laughs> I don't watch the NHL draft. I maybe watch the first like five picks of the NBA draft. Yeah. The baseball draft. I'll only watch the first four picks this year because we pick fourth. And after that, I'm turning it off. Cause I won't know anybody. You don't want to watch the 39th round. Think about how many mock drafts are conducted for the NFL draft. Like oh. it's crazy. Like the NFL is just like on this other level of fandom that we are engulfed in about and have literally how much college football do you watch beyond uh, your, beyond your team like 
You know, the real answer is I used to not watch nearly as much as I do now. So, yeah, like you watch watch, more now because you work in the industry. But yeah, but typically not a lot coming out of New Jersey. I mean, we didn't watch a lot of college football growing up. College football in the Northeast is not it's not a big deal. We were we'd be outside Saturday and then watch football on Sunday. Like if Notre Dame was playing at like a six o'clock or seven o'clock game on NBC, you'd like, oh, I'd throw it on. But yeah, I wasn't sitting down to watch the Alabama Auburn game. Like no. it just wasn't a thing. And it's just not Northeast from a culture perspective, just isn't into college sports as much. And, I mean, we also grew up with Rutgers as our football team in our backyard. So that doesn't help much. So <laughs> most people <laughs> don't watch college football that are NFL. Fans. Like it's not like this huge crossover, no. but everybody, everyone will become an expert tomorrow night. Like, Oh, it's a reach. Or yeah. like, you know, other yeah. than that, you've just read about them or watched some video on them. You don't know what the hell you're talking about. Like, what do you so we're both Giants fans? We're not going to go too deep into it. Who do you want I've them to draft? Turned mock drafts. I've turned off the uh, I, I can't look at it anymore. There's so many mock drafts done over the last three months about how many different picks and the five to ten prognosticators, quote unquote, like the Mel Kuypers of the world. I'm almost like, like my brain just gets rattled by how many different picks it could possibly be. So you can't really watch that, but the draft is an event. The draft is fun from a branding perspective for people like you and I who do, you know, uh, event attendance and, and, you know, broadcasting and different uh, uh, ways to promote brands. I mean, it's, it's an awesome way to watch some of that stuff. They do a great job. It's a spectacle and they, they, they make, they make it a spectacle and, from a from a sports business perspective, sports marketing perspective, it's 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 a significant event in our country. <laughs> like it gives everybody hope tomorrow that they drafted the right guy and or they get the guy gets booed and it's like this big thing and that their team didn't pick who they want them to pick. But so who so who we're not gonna go in pick by pick, but who do you want the Giants to take tomorrow at eleven? I had I really honestly I, I want a lineman. I want to continue to build a wall in front of, I mean, it's just such an important category, but all I heard about two months ago was uh, Devonta Smith from Alabama. And now all I hear about is Waddle from Alabama. So I don't know who I want in terms of the receiver, if they go that route, but if I had my pick, if I was the guy making the pick, I would try to find a way to get another good to very good. If not, um, Penny Sewell. Um, get the offensive lineman. Just keep adding to the guys that are protecting your quarterback. I I, I concur. It's not the sexy pick, right? Like no one gets yeah. excited about the O lineman. But I, if you have Saquon Barkley and you've invested in Daniel Jones and you have now Kenny Galladay, I think you need to protect said assets. Devontae Smith is probably really good. Jalen Wall is really good. But I, I want I want the O line, and we'll see. But we're not gonna. <laughs> More than ever, you need to protect to take one Barkley. I mean, like the guy, you need to make sure you get the next three to five years out of him. Yeah, you invested a second round over you've invested a second overall pick in the guy. Like you need to right. put you need to pave the way for him rather than him getting hit five yards. We're talking we're turning into X and O football guys right now, which is fine. But uh it's 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 because everyone tomorrow, everyone and their mother will be watching tomorrow. Um yeah, I can't wait. It's it's it'll be it'll be great. If it's like Almost like this Red Sox Mets game must see. T- I mean, it's it's crazy. It's still one. It's going to the bo- it's going to the bottom of the eighth inning. One nothing. I feel like everybody up literally just like strikes out. Um. So uh, again, well, the NFL draft. I, I had and I have to bring this up because uh, I had a great informational interview this morning with Sam Marteka from Syracuse University. Uh, we 
he came extremely prepared, asked poignant questions, was diving into what he wants to do. I love when I have conversations with folks like this who reach out to us and, and actually take the time to do the research on either myself, the organization, and just come prepared versus the generic, like, tell me about your career stuff. And Rob and I talk about that all the time. Like, that's just a lazy yeah. like question. You can find out my career on LinkedIn. I also have a podcast. <laughs> you can go listen to my career pretty easily. Um, and like, it's individuals like that, that I'm like, every time I talk to them, I just know they're going to be okay. Like, yeah. You, 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 I can steer you in the right direction, but, but you're doing fine. And you, and they, the biggest thing that I always cr like drives me crazy is after an informational interview and you feel like you had a great connection with somebody and like you took your time is they very rarely follow up. And we, we don't have to mention names, but you just talked about a situation that someone should have followed up in a very easy way to make even the, down the road. Just to build, hey, to, to, you're always looking for another reason to reach out to continue to build that relationship versus one informational interview. One informational interview or call, we do not have a relationship. We don't know each other, right? Mm -mm. I told Sam, I have to get off this call because I have to jump on another call right now. But if you want, we can continue the conversation. He sent me an email within three minutes of times next week to hop back on a call. I mean, that's what you got to do. So, totally. Like, I offered it up. People offer it up all the time. Take it. Why don't people take that like olive branch? I'm not just saying it to say it. I'm yeah, not gonna I, blow you off. You know, I think that um, what you brought up now. This, I'm glad you brought this up because I think front office features is one of their grand slam things that you guys have talked about over the course of all the episodes you've done. Is the early do's and don'ts, the early, you know, what to do. I think if you're a person that's getting into this, person that wants to get into this and doesn't know yet listen to a lot of the episodes of the show. You guys talk a lot about the do's and don'ts on what to do. I would tell you one step further, you don't need an excuse to reach out to somebody, no matter who they are. The worst you can get is no answer. And, right. and I would say if somebody is going to extend, like you said, that olive branch and really open the door for somebody, my attitude has always been, if the door gets cracked, kick it open. If the door doesn't get cracked, try to kick it open. You never know if it will. And, you know, you're only hurting yourself by not doing it. For sure. And like, if you have legitimate reasons also to reach out and you let those pass by, those are just opportunities you might not get back. Right. Correct. And sometimes it's hard. Like you mentioned it, sometimes it's hard to figure out what am I supposed to say? But when you actually have a, a legitimate, like conceptual opportunity to tell someone I'm going to be in the area. If you, even if you're not around, I would love to say hi, like catch up, like, it's a, such an easier way to open, keep that door open versus, Hey, we talked once. Then I see the next time I reach out to you is when I see a job posted, I'm going to talk and reach out to you and be like, Hey, can you help me? I'm like, no, I, I, I can't help you because you haven't done everything up to that point for me to even know more about you. All I know of you is a half hour phone call. We don't have a relationship after that. And you don't, and you don't realize too. I mean, especially if you're like reaching out to good people after you've done your research and maybe had some conversation, you don't realize how top of mind people stay. Like you're going to, you know, he'll be top of your mind in the, in that category of your brain till next week when you talk again. And then that will only parlay it into being top of mind even further past that. So who knows if in the next month, somebody calls you and says, Chris, Hey, I need a so-and-so, so-and-so that can do so-and-so. And he's ready to do that. Boom. And because of that little intuition he followed, now he's in line to have a good chance of getting that gig.
It's 100%. And like, I, I talk to enough people where I'm going to actually be very honest. I can't remember everyone I talk to specifically just once, but I will remember the people that I build a relationship with who are either texting me to follow up or just say hi and be like, Hey, hasn't been, it's been a while. Just checking in, hope things are well. Like I'll be like, Oh, that's, that's someone who like get, Oh, wow. What a catch. Sorry. What a catch. Um, so I'm like, I'm probably breaking major league baseball rules right now, but I, <laughs> um, it's uh bam's going to come after me. Uh, so it's those little things that are going to separate you. And like, I keep getting that question asked a lot lately about what, how can I get out of the pile or how can I separate myself? Just having a degree or just knowing somebody is not enough. You've got to go beyond that. You've got to put in the work. You've got to do extra work. You've got to create documents that show, you know, what the hell you're talking about portfolios. Get you, you, all you've done with a piece of paper with the graduation and the diploma is gotten the right to apply. It guarantees you nothing. Me getting you the interview with the right people guarantees you nothing. Honestly, we, so this is interesting. I heard this on our town hall today. We are now putting a policy in place that we are not allowed to connect our contacts directly with the hiring manager to not create an immediate bias. We have, I mean, to, we have to send them through HR. It makes sense. I totally, I totally understand it. I, it's definitely new protocol and definitely can catch you off guard and make you think like, you know, double take it, but it definitely makes sense. It's going to change the nepotism game forever. Which I love because I can't stand it. It's my least favorite thing about all things ever. So I heard, I actually heard it. I was like, oh, this is the Brian Speecher rule because yes. it was, it's, it's, oh my God, that was right down the middle. What the, strike three. <laughs> my voice just cracked but there's just much there's just too many good people at, and good at what they want to do in this world to let nepotism rule over their talent it's just too we have to go back the other way more no i agree uh it can't just and we've been I've, we've been saying here it's not about who you know it's about who knows you it is just as important but up oh, going to the ninth inning one nothing wow this game is crazy um we're changing that way of thinking where I'm okay. not going to be able to connect you with said hiring manager and be like, Oh, you need to talk to so-and-so. I think they're great. I have to go through HR and it's a twofold thing. It's one, it's the nepotism game, right? So no more like, Oh, so-and-so no so-and-so. So we have to hire them. And two, it truly is the only way you're ever going to diversify your staff and diversity. We've talked about this doesn't necessarily mean just race or gender, it means getting different people like that aren't like-minded because I'll be, you'll be honest. Like if, if someone, if someone is close to me or like you and I are close, we're probably pretty like-minded individuals. So yeah. like, if you hire a bunch of you, you have the same thought process person in your organization and you never get that different opinion or different outside view because you just consistently hire everybody that everybody knows which doesn't change the culture. It just continually you know, does the same thing. But also too, like all the hiring managers, uh, people who are connected to the hiring managers, they want what's best for obviously themselves on a personal level, make more money, enhance their family life, the whole nine, right? But they also want what's best for their company. Like you want to see your company be successful. So to just literally take a guy from outside, connect him with the hiring manager just because, hey, this is my buddy. I got to get him a job and 
I think he's semi semi qualified, but let's get him in here because he, you know, we'll see what he can get can do. You know, but not doing that, you're putting the company's best interest at heart and letting that hiring manager possibly find somebody that's better than the guy you know just because you know him. For sure. No, I, I think it's a it's a great step in the right direction that our organization is taking. And it's it, it I think it actually stemmed from a, a an employee at a different level that brought it up because we have like these committees now internally that are discussing these types of issues. That was great constantly and HR was like, no, this makes sense. Like, this is the new policy. You're not going to just forward emails or resumes to the hiring manager and be like, you need to take a look at this person. I love them. You need to hire them. It's no, it's going to be forwarded to HR. They'll know that, but the hiring manager and all the people that are going through that will be completely blind when they go and talk to so-and-so, which I think it changes the person's mindset too, right? When you go into that conversation. Now, in the same breath, it definitely kind of flies in the face of quote unquote networking, right? Like you've done all your due diligence to network and be like this person to build this relationship. And I can't really go to bat for you in my own organization. I might still be able to help you outside my organization, but coming to me, cause we're about to post, we're about to post jobs. <laughs> at, I, this is, I'll give everyone the precursor. We are about to post jobs at FSM that I'm going to assure you that the listeners of this podcast are going to reach out to me and asked, how do I get said role? Like it's right. a guar- guaranteed. Right. Um, I can give you the advice. I can provide you the answers to the test. I can't then, I'm, I'm actually part of the hiring manager process of this, this role. So it's a little different, I guess, but I can't influence the rest of my colleagues with that information. But that's okay. No, I agree. Like you talk, Somewhere- like, I know your biggest pet peeve in this industry is nepotism. Somewhere along the line, we turned networking into like, oh, we went over the line with it and we turned networking into, uh, you know, like doing favors and people in positions for like, I think our industry is great. I love it. I've spent almost 20 years in it now, like yourself. Uh, I wouldn't want to do anything else. Uh, I've worked for some amazing people. Um, I, I don't think that I'm one of those people that's just handed things. I think that I have had to work for everything that I've had. So I'm, I feel very appreciative of the things that I've been given, but there are times in this industry where it's just like, and I don't know if this goes on in other industries, but sometimes it's like, Hey, yeah, you got out of college. You got a degree. You've been doing this for five years. You'd be the vice president. And it's like, how is that even possible? There's a lot going on. You know what I mean? So for there to be a lot going on and you didn't know what you're doing, how do, and this is why we see articles like certain teams come out like they do. You know what I mean? You see people write write-ups in newspapers and write-ups in blogs about, you know, the uh, the, t- the turmoil that's in some of these places. And it's like, I mean, if we actually took a step back to hire quality people that are established and, and proven and back to your point on having to create documents and and, you know, doing that thing in order to get the job once you're connected with somebody that never stops. Like that oh, never, never stops that goes from day one when you're 22 years old and fresh out of school or fresh out of whatever it is you might be doing with your internship or, or in some places we have residencies like the Vinick program at USF. We have, you know, they do like a fellowship with the, with the lightning. They're, they're still executives. If you want to get an executive job, you better have credentials written in, in a, in a document somewhere that shows what you did. And that's no different than 20 years earlier. 
Oh yeah, no, it, that's that's going to continue if you want to get the big job or the the little job. Like, you got to have a good story and you got to have something to back up, right? You need to you need to prove it. You're, just your word alone or your resume alone isn't going to get you there. And like compiling that type of information and, and putting it into presentable documents to leave behind or send in initially get you out of that proverbial pile. We talk about it all the time. You got to get out of the pile. You can't be in the teamwork online pile where it's just like needle in a haystack and you're just like a hope and a prayer that maybe it works out. So, I mean, I did know the nepotism thing. And once I heard that literally today at our town, I was like, oh, the, the Brian Speecher rule, he would, he would love to talk about this. So, yeah. I mean, I also don't want to make it sound like, you know, everybody in this industry is handed things that they don't have. I think there's some super intelligent people who've worked their tail off to get things. Uh, I've had the fortunate uh, time to, to work for some of them. Um, I just see, I think that like what you guys are doing in this realm is, is awesome because it still connects the dots. It connects almost all the dots, but it doesn't finish the picture for the person that's hiring because you never know who you can find out there. Like it's so easy to just turn and hire your intern at the entry level role. Right. But who knows who else is out there? No, you know I agree. I, mean? I agree. You, 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 need to, you need to get outside that box. Like you, you, you have to, and you need to go find different, different thinking people and, and, and people who have different experiences, not necessarily always have to be like, Oh, you had to have worked in sports. We tell people all the time. Like I, I'm a big proponent of get the right experience. Even if it's a different industry, that's going to get you back into the industry to set you up for success down the road and apply for the job you want versus just being like, Oh yeah, I, I hung around and did ticket sales for three years. And now I want to go do social media. Like that's not going to work. Right. So like we've talked, no. it's just, it's just not the answer and not, it's not the formula for success. Um, we, we talked a little bit about early on Rob's building a ballpark. It's not an expansion team, quote unquote per se, but before we hit the record button, you kind of mentioned uh, you've been talking to a lot of folks at the Kraken yeah um it's an awesome project the 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 thing that's unique about um your career is you were fortunate to help launch an nhl franchise in las vegas mm -hmm. would you with the kraken first of all can you provide us without spilling any top secrets what's going on out there in seattle would you ever recommend uh, an entry level or even a mid-level or executive going to an expansion team. What were the pros and cons of that? And kind of talk about your experience. Cause I think on the surface for me, it's a no brainer, but it would be good to hear for someone who actually launched an expansion team. I've only done rebrands and relaunches. I've never done the expansion. Um, so one, what's going on in Seattle and two, let's talk about your experience in Vegas and how we can apply that to, if you're looking to launch your career, is it the right move? Yeah, so I mean, those are, those are great questions, and I could tell you first off. I mean, Todd Lightwicky is a, as good as it gets. Um, Mr. Yeah, crazy, yeah, he just has such a unique perspective on almost everything. Uh, so to get to go work for him, uh, you know, my mentors love him. Um, you know, he be. I mean, I had dinner with him at his house one time when he called us to his house. He was doing sessions at his house in the backyard, grilling out with his staff. And that's how good of a person he is. That's how good of a, a leader he is. Um, he knows how to, to work with his staff on all levels. And when you're launching a new team, the best thing I can say is that nothing can prepare you for what happens. Uh, there's so many different twists and turns and, 
you know, just in our everyday life. I mean, at, at work now, I mean, even with the Red Sox who are forever old, you know, you guys plan about all these things. And the next thing you know, 27 of the 30 things change and you still have to adapt to it. Well, take that with there's no basis for comparison the previous year. You have no idea what could happen. Obviously, in Vegas, we went to the Stanley Cup final in the first year and nobody saw that coming. You know, we were, didn't think we'd have a good, good team. And I remember being in the suite uh, after about 20 games in and we were like 16 and four ish kind of record. And we looked at each other. And we were just all like. I think we're really good. Yeah. Like, like, I don't think this is a fluke anymore. We're 20 games in. That whole really season, good. it still makes no sense. I know the draft and the expansion draft was set up a little different, but still, it made no sense. It makes no sense. It shouldn't have happened. The guys were unbelievable on the ice. The coaching staff was awesome. Well, something happened so the off the that, something happened off the ice that kind of unfortunately brought them all together. Yeah, 10 one the shooting from Mandalay Bay at the, at the uh, you know the Route 66 festival. It galvanized the city. The city came together you know, under the roof of T-Mobile Arena to support the Golden Knights who kind of bring, you know, that's what sports and entertainment does is it brings people, good people together. And it kind of just was like one thing after another, just outside after that, that shooting, it was just one thing after another that kind of reeled off that was good for the city and good for the team. Um, we were actually really excited about being able to be that, that um, galvanizing factor for the community because the community in Vegas never really had, their own like I, I have so many people down uh, in the business world on the strip say you know this is like the first bit of culture we really feel we have outside of the gaming world or outside of you know the night the nightlife world which is what it's you know world famous for um, and, and the cool thing about and how that kind of associates to Seattle is they lost they lost their 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 NBA team right so they have the Seahawks they you know they've really made a name for themselves in the uh, uh, in MLS. Sounders, um, yeah, sound, Seattle they crush Sounders. it out there, yeah, yeah, crush it. Um, also a Todd Lightwicky uh, project, the both of those teams, um, you know, and that's like a, a city that's near and dear to his heart. So it was, he went back there and he's launching the the Kraken and he's bringing a winter pro sport, um, you know, like a winter indoor pro sport, not the NFL, because the NFL we talked about how amazing it is, but the sport has such a different dynamic than the other sports. So it's a whole different ball game altogether, literally. Um, you know, but launching the Kraken is really just going to set the, the city uh, apart that now that they have a team back. And I think they'll one day get an NBA team. It's just a hunch I have. I don't know anything, but Todd Lawicki is awesome. He's going to run a first class organization. I know that they have one of the most they have like one of the most smart. They have like a smart arena. So we talk about smartphones and smart homes. Like my, I have a brand new home here in, in the Tampa Bay area and it comes with a smart home and has all these cool bells and whistles that help you live like a smart life with your, you know, go green initiatives and stuff like that. They have like a smart arena. That's going to have all, all kinds of different things that uh, set the building apart from other places being is that it's brand new. Um, I personally love the color scheme they went with. I love the name that the they names, went with. The name's awesome. The name might be I, one of the best names in sports. I mean, you're definitely going to hear release the Kraken somewhere along the line. Oh, somebody. for sure. It's got, I mean, um, they, they got, a, they have the Kraken rum as a sponsor. It's like, it was a no brainer, right? Like, right. Exactly. Just a, it, it, I mean, and their naming rights of their building is not, is Amazon, but Amazon isn't <laughs> calling it Amazon building. They're calling yeah. it something else. Yeah. Uh, I'm not, I don't hundred percent remember what the name is, but it has something to do with initiatives that they got going on in Seattle. Um, you know, Seattle, for all the uh, for for all that it's been dragged through the mud the last year on on t like the news and TV, it's such a forward thinking city. 
Uh, there's a lot of great people out there do a lot of great things. And I think they're on the cutting edge of a lot of things that uh, we're going to end up following in its footsteps at some point, somewhere along the line, because they're doing things that no one else has done with the building, with the wellness, like the energy of the building is just such refined to be really, really modern that, we don't play in buildings like that. I mean, your building's a hundred yeah, no, years old. My, my park's <laughs> put together by duct, duct tape. It's, it's, no, there's nothing. There's nothing modern or advanced about Fenway Park. Um, you know, but it, it's going to be a unique experience. It'll probably give me a reason to go to Seattle oh! uh, to see it. Sorry, game um, over. One nothing. Game over. Degrom lost one nothing oh! again. This poor guy. Um, you know, but it, it's just uh, in Vegas. I learned a lot very fast and you, most of the work, when you go to an expansion team, if you want to start your career, if you're trying to get like a, a ticket sales job there or a PR job there, most of the work right now is done before anything's even played or you have a team or you have jerseys or you have, you know, a logo or you have, you know, uh, everything's all brand new. So it's, a, it's such a, it's like a 30 step process. Cause I remember us, the building was a big thing. Then the logo was a big thing. Then the jersey and the color scheme was a big thing. Then you get the players, and now you get into the drafts, and you get into free agency. So, like, this organization is going to be doing it for all for the first time. So the people that work for the team are going to, uh, you know, they're really going to have a unique experience by taking that journey with them through all those things. You know, like when the Red Sox draft, when the, you know, when the, the Tampa Bay Lightning draft, when, and you know, the, the Seahawks draft tomorrow night, like, it's going to be – the umpteenth time they've done it. Whereas, you know, you're the first pick of a, of a team ever in a draft, uh, in expansion draft and in a, when is, uh, when is that? Draft. Is it, is it, when is their draft? This Kraken draft? The, it's this summer? It's, yeah, it's this summer. It's this summer. And they still don't have a coach, right? They don't have a coach. Um, they're, they're shaping up their management team and it's all former players that are really good. So, but they don't have a head, uh, think, they don't have an official head coach yet. I think I think Rod Brindamore is out there in some capacity. There's a couple different names that are that are big that are out there, and they'll they'll I don't want to say spare no expense dollar wise because obviously they're going to be smart about their money and still spend, but they're going to spare no expense in terms of going after getting long time NHL caliber people. It's not like you're just gonna like when we brought in you know George McPhee to uh, to run the the hockey side of the Golden Knights. It was a guy who put together a team that in Washington that eventually won it. So who is the, who is the GM of Seattle? I, I can't tell you all the different ins and outs of who's yeah, running the team. Yeah, yet, forget but, who's, yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's prominent names. So what, up, so but. what, um, so what, let's go back to Vegas. Uh, yep. What were some of the core things that being an expansion team allowed you to work on that you wouldn't get when you were at the lightning or now at USF? So GM of the Seattle Kraken is Ron Francis. Oh. Just to show you. So they know what they're doing. I had to look that up real quick because I couldn't remember who it was. But um, what uh, your, your question again? Sorry. So what so what were some of the core things like that you got to work on because you're an expansion team in Vegas that you would never traditionally get to, to see or, or or work on when you were at Tampa Bay or currently at USF? Like what is a, what are some of the key differences of being in an expansion team? Yeah, beyond, I mean, beyond the beyond the picking of the play, obviously the players, that's all brand new. But like on the business side, like what are you seeing or being involved in that you just don't get being in a team that's already established? You have to fill a building with 17,000 seats and start with zero. <laughs> at least a, every every year you get to renew people. For, like when I got to Tampa, we had about 2,600 season ticket holders, which is not nearly enough uh, when the new when the new ownership group took over. 
we had literally zero when the Golden Knights started their initiative. They had deposits. They had we didn't have seat locations, and we had we didn't have what club goes to what. We didn't have. I mean, there's so many things. Like we talk about, you know, you look at Fenway Park, right? You talk about if you have private access to a suite, what the menu is. We literally had no menu. We had nothing to offer anybody except, hey, we got this hockey team coming. Um, buy in now. So everything is brand new. I can tell you the biggest difference, though, uh, and, and this is how you know a rebrand like I did in Tampa is different than, you know, the expansion that I did in Vegas is when you rebranded, you have to change the notion that the city and the market have of your team, which we did in Tampa, and it was awesome when you're an expansion team and I got to Vegas and I knew how the strip worked from having gone to Vegas a lot before the team and moving out there, but I knew that people like to take care of each other on the strip. That's just how the culture of the strip works. And it's the most hospitable people I've ever met in my life is hotel. People are taking care of nightlife people. Nightlife people are taking care of show people. Show people are taking care of entertainers, entertainers, taking care of concierge car, the car industry, the valet industry. Like it's just so big out there that we get there. And it was like, you know, you're the new kid on the block. You don't know how it's going to be perceived. You don't, you always hear about expansion teams having no attendance and it's taking them forever to get good. Well, we got there well before we even had a great season. I mean, just the the acceptance that we had as being a new team. uh, And that's going to happen in Seattle as well. You know, Vegas was so excited to have a piece of culture that wasn't the strip and gaming. Um, and, and that's, what's going to happen in Seattle is the, the fans in Seattle are be so happy to have that kind of indoor arena sport that they lost years ago in C- at the supersonics. Uh, so they'll be, they'll get that experience, but in Vegas, you know, they had never had a pro team before the best they had think back to when we were kids, you know, wearing starter jackets, the best they had was UNLV like a long time ago when they made the NCAA uh, basketball tournament. Um, that was the most sports they had. UNLV, now look, yeah. yeah. Now look at the market. Now they have the Vegas Golden Knights and the Raiders are there. The NFL is going to eventually, they're putting what the, not the Pro Bowl, but they're putting the draft back there. Eventually, it'll go, yeah, it'll go back there. Um, right. So, I mean, you're talking about huge sporting events with huge teams all being in Vegas now. And five years ago, that wasn't even a thing. Yeah, no, I th- like, look, if, if you're starting your career and you have an opportunity to get into the ground floor with an expansion team. Do it. It's a no brainer in my mind because the amount of exposure you'll get to the whole entire organization and be able to do a little bit more than just what your day-to-day is, is probably mm-hmm. much more than just being another cog in the wheel at a well-established franchise. So that's great. No, that was huge. I mean, that the insight from what's going on with Seattle and Vegas, um, very helpful because I think the people listening are now with the world turning back on and jobs being posted. And I I've, we've been telling people for a long time, they should have been networking quote unquote networking with the people in Seattle, trying to find a role, get out there. If you're looking to launch a career, move out to Seattle, go do it. Right. Like there's nothing holding you back in that regard to take your chance. Now get your foot, like get your foot into the proverbial door and start working with a franchise. That's going to have a story to tell that when you leave and you're ready to leave or you move up, you have so much experience. That's not just, Hey, uh, I took a job. I did. Okay. And now I'm ready to move on. No, you're going to be like, I helped launch an NHL franchise. Like, not many people in their career ever get to say they get to do that. I know, like, you know, we go through our moments where we just shake our heads and we don't say we don't know if we could do this anymore. Or I want more. Or I have too much. You know, I, have, I don't know if I can handle COVID anymore. There's a, we've all had those conversations. You and I have had those conversations together. Obviously, 
you know, like going back as far as we do, you know, we pick each other up like that. And what did you say to me? You know, you have a career that so many people would kill for with the things that I've gotten to do. So I don't take it for granted, but um, you know, what's going to happen and kudos to the NHL for continuing to expand 32 teams is a great place for them. Uh, The buy-in to have the Seattle franchise was amazing. Um, So if you can have a piece of that, albeit even if it's a small piece of that, um, you'll learn so much and the rest of the industry will value what you are coming out of that. You know what I mean? Oh, for sure. No, it's it, again, look in our lifetime, how many NHL teams have launched? Oh man, not that many, not that many. So no. there's not many people who have gotten to do like organizations in general are not that big. Right. So if you get to have that experience, like Rob is, we talked yeah. about all the time, he's built three ballparks. People go their <laughs> whole career. Don't build any ballparks. Right. Right. He's done three and he's still only halfway through his career. Um, He can't wait till he starts his consulting business of, of, stadium builder but uh, <laughs> it's uh it's really unique and it's to, it's pretty special because those yeah. those opportunities just don't exist out, out typically and specifically the, the the major four sports expansion in baseball has been been a while um was it I, yeah when was the last one the, the race race yeah i think so that? Which, 90s yeah 25 years they ago they started hinting around at a maybe they'd be open to it but they, they i think the number came out today they, they said they'd be open to a 2.2 billion dollars for an expansion team Jesus. and people started guessing which cities would make the most sense and it's the top two are nashville and vegas um which which makes sense but yeah like i i, I i'm trying I, I think i don't think we're messing this up. i think the last expansion team was the Rays. i think it is too i can't think of another one that it was maybe the nats moving after that that's, that's not expansion that's, though that's relocation right. that's just relocation yeah, yeah. I think I'm that's for, the only other movement, though. Yeah, for baseball, yeah, there hasn't been a ton of movement in baseball. Football's had a bunch of terms yeah. of movement. Not well, ex- the Rams. The Rams are in LA, and then they're in San Luis. But, but the last, like, what's what's the last NFL expansion team? Is it the Panthers and Jags? I, yeah, one of those. Yeah, those, I think they were the same year, weren't they? Houston Texans. I don't know. I'm, I'm spitballing. Were the Texans new or relocated? The Texans were new after the Oilers went to Tennessee. Right. So they didn't. Yeah. So the, I think the Texans were the last expansion team. Or Balt. I mean, not Baltimore. I don't no. know. Yeah. Probably Houston. Yeah. It's got to be. We'll t- we won't go down there, quarterback situation. Let's we'll see if they pick a quarterback <laughs> tomorrow. <laughs> that story. They need to take like three of them. That story is. I uh, want to go down that road. Um, this has been great. So I, I have to wrap it up, though, with just. I told you the story. You're going to listen to it again. I, cause I, I, I kind of talked about the, uh, owl gate, uh, owl, owl gate in my neighborhood. So like hoot owl. Yeah. Hoo, 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 hoo. Um, a couple of weeks, it's probably about two weeks ago now since this, since this all happened. My Rachel got a call from our neighbor be like, Hey, the owls out of the tree again around the corner. So her and like, a bunch of the neighbors go around the block. They find said baby out on the ground in someone else's lawn and they scurry it into uh, a recycling bin to get it back because they called the Abaddon society who was like, we're not going to come because I got my vaccine today. And my arm hurts. So like, Oh, you're on your own. It's pouring rain, like pouring rain. I look out my window 
across the street because they went they brought it back on our side of the street to where it was originally with his mom in this nest and one of my neighbors has his lacrosse gear on because he's like terrified that the mom's gonna fly down and like get him okay I, I see this the contingent of neighbors trying to bang the the, the owl out of the the quote-unquote recycling bucket my wife is like helping get it out rachel and then the one guy my another neighbor tim across the street he he stays behind everyone else kind of gone inside i'm watching outside and he's like putting it in like a shrub and i'm like that owl is not gonna live or survive in that <laughs> shrub like he's yeah gonna, he's gonna get eaten so the abadon lady's like look if he doesn't get high into the tree by the end of the night he's gonna die like something's gonna get him so I go over there. I'm like, Tim, like, what's going on? Like, I'm going to help you out here, bro. Like, let's figure this out. I was like, why don't we just put him back in the tree? And he's like, I'm, so I run back over again. It's pouring right now. I go get my ladder, put it up into the tree. And it's on the low branch. Cause we're, I'm like, I'm not going to the, this, this, this tree is like 150 feet. Like I can't get up to the top, obviously where the mom is. So I'm like, you got to hold the ladder for me. So I first, first I help hold it for him. He climbs up, he's got the, owl baby blanketed so the baby can't see and can't freak out it's in this big blanket it's too big and now it's soaked so he couldn't even get it off so he's climbing up he climbs down I'm like here give me it i'll take it so i let the i let the baby see but hold it behind it with this blanket this is like i wish this was recorded by the way i'd be a, i'd be a, literally a, a millionaire from how viral this would have went i'm climbing a ladder that's being held straight up in the air by a person not really leaning up against anything in the pouring rain and wind with an owl in my hand, I don't, I can't really hold the ladder. I get the baby up and it's like freaking out. It's like yelling for its mom. And the mom has, is massive. Like, I'm like, this mom comes down, like it's game over. Like she's going to, she's going to like launch her talons. Yeah, like talon you. <laughs> she's just going to like, got, I'm done. And then he says, he's like, wah, wah. like, he's like yelling. I'm like, oh geez, this is not great. So I get him up onto the branch and I'm pulling the, I'm pulling the, blanket out from underneath him he falls mind you i'm on a ladder he's falling out of the tree i in the rain in the rain i reach down with my left hand like my baseball skills come out of nowhere grab the baby by its ass and i'm holding now the i catch the owl like midair <laughs> while hanging on to this ladder we're like face to face his talons are up now in my face i'm holding him like a two feet from me he's screaming the owl's going crazy. I'm like, okay. We, I'm like, and then he like kind of wiggles off down. I'm, I'm walking down and he jumps down to the ground again. I'm like, all right, we need to go get a smaller towel or something. So this owl can grab onto the branch, come back to the house. I'm running across the street. My Rachel's, you know, she's like, why are you running? What's going on? Like what's happening? Cause they couldn't see us. Cause we were around the other house. Yeah. Cause the house actually is for sale and was being sold and the owners weren't even in it anymore. So we're like, we're just re-nesting this out to save Harry. That's what we named him, his, his dumbass. We kept falling out of trees. I'm like, this is the worst owl of all time. <laughs> so I get the towel, wrap it, like wrap it up again, carry him up, bring him to the top, put him back in. He survives. Harry's now missing. I don't know what happened to Harry. Long story short, if this was on video, me catching an owl on its bare ass, staring at me in the face with its talons, it probably would have went viral. I don't want to say that like all heroes don't wear capes, but all heroes don't wear capes. Like you could be they a suburbia hoodies. dad. They wear hoodies. Sometimes wear, they wear hoodies. You could, be a, you could wear a suburbia dad, like just climbing the ladder in the middle of the pouring rain, putting owls back in trees. Like that's that was the highlight of COVID.
So there was no reason why he was falling out of a tree. No, he's a dumbass out. Like, what the hell are you doing? Like, your job is to hold onto a branch. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. like, he, he's terrible owl. He's a terrible owl. He's and you said the, the owls were getting other animals in the neighborhood. Well, they were decay. Like, there's there's carcasses at the bottom of that tree. So, like, what happens at night? He would like yell, Rah! like again. Mom goes hunting. She kicked the shit out of a hawk who came. Like, the hawk was the one that probably came from originally. Yeah. She like beat the hell out of this hawk midair, like hawk owl hawk fight. There's bunnies with no heads over there. I mean, I picture like uh, the two dragons from uh, Game of Thrones. Totally. Back, let's go full circle. We're back to full. We're back. We're full circle here. My neighbor Tim went and bought night vision goggles. He's like watching this 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 stuff oh like, through the night vision. The whole neighborhood's stopping by looking at the owl because it's pretty cool. Like it's an owl. Like it's a baby owl. Like how the and like. Yeah, you don't see owls a lot. I'm going to post it. I have a really cool picture. I'll send it. I don't think I've ever seen it. Really cool picture of the owl. Like after I put him back in the tree, he's <laughs> he looks disheveled to say the least. But that's the conclusion of Owlgate. For all of you who listen to this for sports sports uh, advice, don't climb trees with owls with talons with moms up above ready to come down and land on your head because I've been in the hospital enough this year. I probably could have ended up back again because <laughs> God knows I would have been like, oh, yeah, I got attacked by an owl of all things. In the middle of the I'll, day. I'll, I'll add that if you do all that, if it's raining and you have a ladder and you're putting an owl back in a tree, uh, make sure you have a towel that the, that's the right size. Yeah, because the big <laughs> one got too wet and then it was a yeah. big problem. So we had big <laughs> why didn't you? Why weren't you guys prepared for that? <laughs> I was we were we did not have our owl kit on us. Um, <laughs> it was it was spur of the moment. Uh, my, Rachel did a great job of getting the, the owl back to the right side of the street with her Jeez. garbage can, quote unquote. <laughs> and like, and the poor owl was probably scared to death in that thing because it was locked away. And then you're lucky it didn't get you. Those talons are not. It was. It was like, cr- like I was safe. hanging. I'm hanging. Like you can see me. You know, I'm hanging by a ladder with one hand. Catch the owl in another hand by its butt. It's staring me with talons up like in my face, freaking out, like, I'm like, oh, this is going to end terribly. So, but all in all, Harry survived. We think hopefully he moved on to another tree or something, but we haven't heard or seen him in a little while. Maybe One with a bigger branch. Maybe, yeah, because they can only hop for a little while. They can't fly yet, and that's why Dum Dum kept falling down. But you said it was like the size of a cat. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. I'll send you a picture. It's legit. It's it's big. When I say baby – it's a cat. Like it's the size of a cat. And then the mom is the size of like an Eagle. It's huge. <laughs> she would like, you'd see her flying at nighttime from house to house and like landing, just perching and like hunting. So yeah, Algate seems to be over in my neighborhood, but wanted to wrap that story. Cause I know people were literally dying to hear the rest of the story. I know I had to like, I'm, they're probably like, what the hell are you talking about? But <laughs> I had to conclude Owlgate it was my, pr- it was my proud Al suburbia dad moment was rescuing Harry. God. But Chris now has three kids. Well, I don't. He, he might Zach, be gone. Emma, and Harry. Well, Harry, <laughs> Harry, Harry might be gone. But before next week, because my son does listen to this, happy birthday, Zach! Turned five yes. years old on Tuesday. I'll be having no more podcasts between now and then before the time he turns five. It's crazy to say I'm gonna have a five-year-old happy who's playing birthday, T-ball. Zach. So may the ha- fourth be with you. May the fourth be with you, buddy. We actually read Darth Vader and Son book tonight. Happy birthday, buddy. Um, Brian, speaking of buddy, Brian, great to see you. Thanks for doing this. Absolutely. Always a pleasure. Always Rob, a pleasure. Rob will maybe be back next week. I don't know. He still has a ballpark to open up in about two weeks. So you <laughs> might be you might be getting the bullpen call again. Um, but all in all, great.
Great night, everybody. See you soon. Thank you.